Hi there, welcome to All Over It Again. I'm Henry and today we're just talking about um, pretty much any topic that came to mind when we were chatting to people. So we discuss things like football, um, climate change, as you do. So if you like to have a little listen, listen on. So I was watching a very interesting documentary. Uh, I say documentary, it was a vice documentary, so not really a documentary, which was the story of Blue. Um, so the the song Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die, if you guys remember that, uh, by Ethel 65. It's really interesting. So it's like a collaboration. So it kind of came from a, a studio um, where a lot of guys just collaborated and worked together. And because the studio was like a really, really small space, um, they could always hear each other working on other projects. So one guy just heard the piano riff, which is that, um, yeah, I'm not going to sing it for you, another one. Um, and uh, he was just playing it, basically. And uh, one of the other guys from the other rooms was just like, wow, we should make this into a dance song. And it kind of went like that. But when they first initially recorded it, they went through like three iterations of it. And when it was finally ready for like to be released, they released it and it was a massive flop. Um, the guys went and played it in a club and everyone just walked away from him and <laughs> walked towards the bar. And because they got just such so rejected, they just thought, oh, that was it. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be as successful as they thought it was going to be. They really liked it, but it turned out to be a massive flop. So they went and um, <laughs> they left it. And I think it was like six months until uh, it got picked up by other people. And then slowly, slowly people started to buy the record. And then a radio station in Italy, because that's where the company was based and the group are from um even though the singer was actually he was italian originally but moved to the states till he was like eight and then came back to italy so he has he has really really good english um and so yeah it's just a really really fascinating story i, I didn't realize there was that much history behind it <laughs> and then once that radio play station played it like over, almost overnight in the next three days they would like booked gigs to gig and then they never stopped going and then well the rest is history we all know the song blue dabba dee dabba die uh yeah any 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 guesses for what you used to think it was like i used to think the lyrics were i'm blue uh, if i were green i would die but turns out it was just dabba dee dabba die just nonsense um but i've heard many other people say like <laughs> uh other kind of variations of that have you heard of it as in have you remembered it as any other words or did you always know it was dabba dee dabba die Ah, in the late 90s, I think they record, recorded it in 98 and it wasn't until 99 that it became huge. Just goes to show, sometimes the first people that listen to whatever you're producing might not be the best audience for your song. I think they were saying that they um, that song didn't quite fit into the dance crowd, but didn't quite fit into the straight pop ground. It was kind of somewhere in the middle, um, but to their favor in the long run, I guess, because it just hit many, many markets. Yeah, there was a segue about a very interesting story of uh, Ethel 65. Can anyone name any of their other songs? I can't. I, I only know the Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die one. I'm pretty sure there'll be one or, more, one or two more that I had heard when I was younger, but who knows? Oh, by Ethel 65. I should stop saying Blue because it's not really Blue the band. That's a very, very different thing. Hi, Sajid. How are you doing today? Are you good? I see you have a football player on your icon. I can't see who it is because it's too small. Who is it? Is it you? It does look like a Man City shirt, but I can't really tell. It's just light blue. I can only, it only looks light blue to me. So I don't know. What do you want to speak about? Football? Football is always a good topic.
Who won it six times? Oh yeah, I believe that Liverpool won it six times. <laughs> Watch everyone leave the group straight away. Hi, ID 14264299. Welcome to the room. And we are talking about football. Uh, just Madrid. Cool, right? You're a big Madrid fan, as in Real Madrid? I think, you know, sometimes you, Atletico Madrid. Some people support Atletico Madrid. Um, but I think most most people support, if they're going to say they support Madrid, they mean Real Madrid. Um, but yeah. But you know who didn't win the European Championship this year? Real Madrid. You know who did win it? Liverpool. I mean, I might. I think it might be obvious that I am a Liverpool fan. Um, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> I watched the game. I didn't actually go to... Um, to watch the game i watched it when i was in prague with some friends for a stag do and i was when we won literally the entire night just screaming six times um so i think a lot of tottenham fans were not a big fan of mine but who cares we won it six times <laughs> hey sajid prefers liverpool nice good choice always better than man united <clears throat> and um yeah no liverpool a really good team I, I, I'm not a big fan of Man City, I have to say. Like, I've really come to dislike them as a team. I just think they've just bought the title. They've just thrown money at their team. And they don't have a really strong, loyal fan base. Like, I mean, they do have a loyal fan base. That's not fair to say it. But they don't have, like, a really big fan base. Whereas, especially for a team that now is their size and has the amount of money that they have. Whereas if you look at Man United, you look at Liverpool, you look at Arsenal, Chelsea, all the big teams, you know, they have a huge fan base, which kind of it enables them to have the funding that they have. Whereas Man City is just basically um, shaken Abu Dhabi, I guess, just wanted to buy a, um, a football team and went for a, kind of like a B-side team. Let's go, let's go for some, someone like Man City and then just pumped a load of money into them. And now they're dominating every title. Luckily, they haven't won the Champions League yet. But I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be long till they do it. What's everybody else's thoughts on Man Chester City. Anybody? I am one of those rare Liverpool fans that actually hates Man City more than I hate Man United now. Not hate. Hate's a strong word. Dislike. Dislikes Man City. Um, just because of what they stand for, really. It's not really a fun to watch them play against anybody these days. And not I mean, obviously, I'm very biased because we lost the title to them by a couple of points. Um, but that aside, like, it's just, it's just no fun. Yeah, yeah, Man City just pretty much, but it was, it was, it wasn't even Arabia. It was just Abu Dhabi. Um, so they're, they're sponsored by Etihad, obviously, which is uh, Abu Dhabi's airline carrier. So Emirates is a Dubai airline carrier and Etihad is a big one for Abu Dhabi. And Abu Dhabi's uh, the richest emirate in terms of oil and wealth in the United Arab Emirates. And yeah, I'm guessing they just wanted to have a football team and they went, we like Manchester United, but we can't afford Manchester United. Manchester City is pretty much the next best thing, right? <laughs> I just bought Manchester City. Facts. I mean, I can't back those facts up. I, this is my massive assumption, but I, I think that's what happened. I think uh, Man City was just literally like, oh, uh, a kind of slightly cheaper version of Man United. And you know what? Fair play to 
I don't know. Can you say fair play? It just threw, it just goes to show if you throw money at it. Like as soon as they were in the top four, they could buy whatever player they wanted. Like initially, when they first started out, um, like to go over, they couldn't buy any player because most players at, at that level don't care about money. They care about playing in the um, European League, whereas uh, the Champions League. Sorry, but whereas as soon as they made it into the top four of the Premier League and they were guaranteed a spot in the Champions League, they could buy any player they wanted to within reason. Obviously, some players would just never want to play with them. But other than that, they just buy whoever they wanted to. And they have done. And they've pretty much just dominated the entire, yeah, Premier League. Like, it, it it's to the point where friends of mine and Rich, like, just, just don't, just completely stopped watching football, didn't enjoy watching football. I don't know if that was because his team was doing shit or because <laughs> of Man City. But I, I kind of get it, you know. It just kind of, it's like, I mean, we can still, the other teams can still kind of take Man City on. But if you look at the Scottish League, it's really, must be really frustrating for um, any other team other than a Celtic or Rangers fan because they just dominate the top of that league every year. And I mean, there was a, was it about five, five or six years when Rangers were basically relegated right to the bottom league and they had to come back up where um, Celtic just dominated and dominated. I think one year Hearts won, but then um, most mostly it was just Celtic. Um, and yeah, I think it's not fair. I think Celtic and Rangers should be in like League One or be put in the Premier League. And if they're not able to survive, then get knocked down because they're just not it's not entertaining to watch for all the other clubs or at least maybe pump more money into some of the other Scottish clubs I guess but I mean you've got Cardiff City it's just Cardiff I think they play in the Premier League because they they would just dominate the Welsh League um I think we should have something in place with you know those that are completely dominating like the Scottish League be forced to kind of come into the Premier League um although having said that they probably would get crushed in the Premier League so eh. you know is it fair that they get a spot? Do they get a spot? I'm sure they get a spot in the Champions League. Maybe correct me on that if they don't get a spot in the Champions League, but I'm pretty sure they do. Hi, Samus. Hi, Cody. Welcome to the room. We are talking about football. Hi, Pranjal. Um, we can talk about something else if you guys would prefer, but uh, we've just been talking about football and Man City and how they've just come to dominate the uh, entire game now because money's been thrown at them and they're... They're a pretty good team now, has to be said. Um, but it's not a good team in the sense that they've trained the players up. They just bought them up from all other clubs. Although, you know, having said that, Man United do it. So do Liverpool. So do big teams. It's it's the way way it kind of works. But yeah, let's let's, let's not continue talking about football because um, it can be a bit boring for some people that don't enjoy talking about football. But happy to talk about other sports. Other sports are also available. Um, oh, that's my cat making a loud noise hi the saint welcome how are you today long time no see great to have you here so we've just been hi dawn we've just been talking about football um but we can stop talking about football what's your favorite football team or do you have one and when i say when i say football because i'm aware we do have americans here i mean um soccer i don't mean american football Hi, ID 14662646. Welcome to the room. Um, yeah, so what's your favorite soccer team if you're from America or football team? I can't remember. Where are you from, the Saint? 
Southern California. See, so when I say football, do you think American football or do you think soccer? Because I think often, yeah. Okay, cool. So you think soccer when I say football. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's always a, a difficult answer. But even in Australia, it's not just an American thing. Even in Australia, I think they refer to, when you say football, I think they think you mean rugby or sometimes they think they think like Australian uh, Australian rules, which is like another kind of, hybrid of football and rugby i mean i don't know if you've ever watched a if you've ever watched a sport it's it's crazy it's just like it's so hard to kind of keep tabs on what the hell's going on in australian rules um i've watched it a couple of times my australian friends have tried to explain how it works i have no idea i still have no idea i, th- I think i've watched two or three games and i've been like Whoop. and you know what else has happened really recently in sports is uh england won the cricket world cup who thought it I've seen some really pretty funny memes going around about uh, Australian bats and stuff saying like hardly use and things, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, so sports wise, anybody want to call in, have a little chat about sports? We don't have to talk about sports. Uh, it's just that that's how the uh, conversation has been steered so far. Hi, LT Bear. Welcome. How are you doing? Say about transfer news. We can talk about transfer news. You went. LT Bear is doing good. Welcome. And yeah, do you want to call in? Ah, Peter Pan is back. Uh, wait a second until I uh, kick him out of the room. No, just just joking, Peter. Welcome back. Um, thanks for joining the conversation yesterday. It really helped. Um, yeah, it helped in some really, really important and interesting questions. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, Peter, we were just talking about football and how Man City has way too much money. Are you a big football fan? If you are, who do you support? Hi, Sue. Welcome. Hi, guys. If you enjoy listening to me as well, it's always good to get a follow and some likes. Likes are always great. Um, Peter's not responded, so I'm just going to assume he doesn't like to watch play watch or play football, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know me. I am PC Henry, trying to keep everything safe and above board. You want to talk about controversial topics? Not with me. No, no, no. We keep it all PC. <laughs> um, although that guy isn't here today. I might, I might, I might talk about climate change. <laughs> Who here doesn't believe climate change is a thing? Ross. <laughs> Ross isn't here. Uh, and he does follow me, so I'm surprised he hasn't um, come to join. But Ross, Ross isn't here to talk about climate change. Well, it's interesting, actually, because uh, the group Extinction Rebellion, I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a group based in the UK, and they're kind of like an anti-climate... They're, uh, they're climate change activists. Maybe he is. Maybe he's attending a Flat Earth convention. Um, yeah, and they blocked loads of the roads today. And so they blocked the roads in Bristol, they blocked the roads in London, and they blocked some roads in uh, Leeds. Uh, Extinction Rebellion, they're like a... Peter Pan, it's not flat. Also, your name's not Peter Pan. I don't know. Is your, is your first name actually Peter, though? Um, cool. But yeah, so yeah, Extinction Rebellion basically just blocked loads of roads. And it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of like a, a weird kind of like, a part of me is like, yeah, I kind of support it because it needs to be talked about. It needs to get the press, you know, like you want 
people to know about climate change. You want to bring it up and things. But at the same time, uh, the way they're going about it maybe is not the most uh, effective, I suppose. It just annoys. I, I mean, I kind of, I get it. No, I, I do get it because, you, you know, you need to make a statement. And I suppose the best way to make a statement is to block roads. Um, it, it's effective. Oh, Peter's joining. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Hi, really. I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was just talking to, obviously, I'm just chatting about, um, have you heard of Extinction Rebellion? Man, it's not just I've heard about them. I've been disrupted by them a number of times. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> no, um, what's your angle on the climate change discussion? Well, Well, I think the climate is changing like well there's there's kind of you know there's two kind of schools of thought on this there's mm-hmm. those that believe obviously that uh, the climate constantly changes and it's just going through an evolution and there's those that believe that climate change is being caused by a uh, man so i'm kind of believing that we're accelerating it um to some extent just because there's a lot of evidence and there's a lot of scientists that back this theory um but also I hold the kind of belief, and I've talked to Rich about it as well, that if, you know, what are the two alternatives? Say say I'm right, or we're right, you know, saying that the climate is changing and we're impacting it. So if we take measures to try and slow it down, what's the worst that happens? We invest in cleaner energy, which will be cleaner for our air. Like, you know, smog is a real thing. If you go to places in China, it's Absolutely. horrible. Yeah, so, you know, you, you invest in things that make it cleaner and nicer to live in, and then maybe more re- renewable um energy sources or the alternative is that the planet heats up and the extinction of the human race you know like and the argument against it i suppose is maybe okay it's cost it's going to cost a lot of money but other than it's going to cost a lot of money there doesn't seem to be much of a downside to doing it even if we're wrong but if we're right we kind of could mitigate most of the damage maybe but if we're wrong it's a serious consequences do you know what i mean Absolutely. And I completely see the position and I'm, I'm with you 100% on that one. I feel like all the technologies that are aligned to the climate change agenda are also beneficial on the, you know, on the medium to short term in terms of better air quality, better, be, better scenery, better everything, really. Yeah. Um, so it's not just my grand-grandchildren that are going to benefit from from this investment it's me really uh so so i'm completely with you on that one but at the same time you know when when your path to work is blocked by extinction rebellion <laughs> and you see the calm society descend into complete chaos you start to wonder if yeah if this is actually for real or not and and i'm not talking about the i'm not questioning climate change i'm not questioning anything like that i'm just questioning the i don't know the neurosis around it this i suppose this it's, idea it's, that society has taken it and now it's running with it and now it's become the the biggest thing ever that we're discussing on social media and everywhere else yeah and to me it feels like the celebration is a bit premature it, it feels to me like a, we've declared victory on all of the other problems and this is the major focus the only focus that we need to we need to concern with and in reality i could argue that probably there are three or four other major issues that are of immediate impact and immediate concern i think i i agree with you i think there's there's many many Brexit more is not problems one of them, 
<laughs> Let's not talk about Brexit. I would another day. Brexit is not one of them. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel right. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. There are more. There are important problems, and I think it's a very trendy thing now at the moment. So, mm. so it's good in respect that it's bringing people's attention to it, and it's good that we should be investing in things and trying to make changes. Like if if we just ha- had simple changes, like moving to electric cars, mm. you know, like look at Norway where they've had massive incentives to people buying um, Teslas. But you know that's just that's Which just is like, ironic because the entire economy is built on exporting <laughs> oil. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the hypocrisy is not hypocrisy is not lost on me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I think I think personally, I just think you know we should we should focus on it. But I agree with the whole kind of extinction rebellion. It's like maybe the wrong angle, and a lot of the people that are protesting seem to be those that protest all the time. Mm. They seem to be kind of like professional protesters, if you will, and they exist. <laughs> Like it's crazy. They How do cool exist. is that? Imagine a LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Professional protest. <laughs> and work experience. <laughs> I mean, you have to have extinction rebellion now in your resume. Exactly. Nobody's going to take you seriously. No, no, it's very true. <laughs> I, I, I do have involvement with extinction rebellion, though. Weirdly, um, so hmm. I was involved with uh, helping produce uh, a film. So a short film uh, with extinction, extinction rebellion is one of the key kind of subjects. Hmm. And, uh, and I met Attenborough. You're, you're playing David Attenborough, a young yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm playing a young David Attenborough. <laughs> no, no, I think... I mean, to be honest with that hair, I, I kind of see it happening, you know, the cheekbones I'd, and everything. I'd love it, I'd love it, I'd love it. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was, it, was, it was more of a satirical kind of take on the whole uh, thing, but it's going to be hopefully released in the next few weeks and stuff, so keep your eyes peeled. But, um, but yeah... Oh, someone's just say change will never come with peaceful protests. I, I mean, I, it's it's two skills of thought. Not we are talking about it. I don't know. I'm I'm a bit skeptical about this. I mean, spectacular change. The type of change that's going to capture mass media is always going to be violent and aggressive. But change hmm. has happened without any sort of protest forever, right? We we've been we've been changing the society and shaping it and evolving it for for really centuries now, but. But obviously, there are going to be some events that stick out because of their nature that will produce some sort of step change that's more significant and more noticeable. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't okay. agree with uh, with uh, with you. The what's what's the guy's name? The Hugh guy. Because uh, Harry is a bit more PC than I am, but I'm a bit, <laughs> you know, I have a contrarian position here. <laughs> No, I think I think I was I was just being very PC with Ross because I feel like we were going to disagree on many things. Oh man, the potential of that conversation, you know, wasted on weather and what food? Food. Oh, it was wasted on food. But I think it was more entertaining talking about food. Oh man, we could have discussed about abortion, we could have discussed about human rights, death yeah. penalty, Oh, arm God. control. Oh my you know, God. Guns, everything. I think the time will come. There will be a time when me and Ross are on again and we'll have the discussion. Um, and I won't be so PC. If you could, so Richard said, if you could go 100 years in the future and assuming the climate activists are correct, the world is totally fucked. Would you say that they are even doing enough? I mean, you either believe it or you don't. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's. It's, uh, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? It's like, where, where do you kind of draw the line of like, we need to take action? Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm behind them because I think it's disruptive, but I think it's effective because it's making the news. Um, 
but obviously it's not nice when you're being affected you know, by it. 100 years in the future, we could be fucked regardless. We, we, Probably 50, 50 years in the future, Absolutely. we could be fucked regardless. <laughs> so uh, I think it's very difficult and, and really, really fuzzy to, to look that far into the future when we're talking about humanity's outlook. And again, we have to bear in mind that our society is so limited in resources. Sure, in the West, we have some sort of protections and we we see the world differently. But if you put the global GDP together, ah, we're, we're, we're not that mighty and powerful. We're not gods. We're just still trying our best to make make it work. We're still trying our best to put some people out of poverty while maintaining some wealth so that people are encouraged to develop technologies and keep on research and development. So capitalism is, is still working. We can't be completely socialist and raise everyone out of poverty at the expense of uh, destroying the entire system. So we're, we're still trying to make it work. And with these limited resources, you have to split yourself. Are you going to completely abandon the pursuit of a cure for cancer to, I don't know, change a few more factories to clean energy? Are you going to... I mean, it depends on how... How 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 uh, strict do you go with it? Like how absolutely how how far do you take it? I mean, I suppose the the I kind have of an good idea. thing. Let's the cut thing. the spending for for military. That's an yeah. idea. I mean, look at uh, how much America is spending on military. It's uh, crazy. Oh my, no, Russia. Russia spends so much of their GDP on military. Oh, it's insane. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but, but like nothing comes even close to America. They, no, they no, but not, America has a lot more money to waste. That's why. <laughs> and, and you could argue, all right, us in the West, you know, we have such such a strength in numbers and in technology that we can just direct some of that spend to uh, to, to climate change. And, and that sounds great until you have the other powers, I don't want to place them geographically, that are going to see this as an opportunity. So then they can ramp it up and you're going to be left behind, right? So it's such a difficult game to get right. Absolutely. There's no, there's, there's no, I think the most important thing is to just kind of really talk about it and, 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 you know, these protests are causing it. So I'm just going to go quickly to uh, what, talk about what a couple of people are saying. Hi, Ashton. Uh She's American. Don't worry. We love Americans, Ashton. Ashton. (laughs) Um, So the saint said, what you said about these same particular uh, protests always popping up to protest, oh, protesters always popping up to protest different things is an important connection to make. Yeah, I think there are those that are very, like we were saying, you know, very um, pro protesters. <laughs> they like professional protesters. They go and protest all the time. So it should start some thinking in the other direction. That is to say, whether most of this is just political agenda rather than a crisis. Yeah, I guess. I see where you're coming from, but I think, you know, the science is out there that does say that it it is happening, whether we like it or not, or whether we're going to take action, it is happening. So it really depends on how we react to it. And and the humans normally are just very reactive creatures. So when someone comes down with an illness, we react to healing them. We don't react. We don't spend time trying to stop the root cause before it even happens. We're very reactionary species, (laughs) if that Mm. makes sense. And so, you know, we don't really seem to solve a problem until we know there is a problem or until the problem is really, really evident and in front of us. And that's kind of happening with climate change. Like we're starting to see some of the cracks happening now. Because we couldn't really afford anything else, right? Throughout history. Yeah, it's true. Very, very limited amount of time has been dedicated to the pursuit of the wonders of the future because you were firefighting your way out of misery for, for most of the time, right? 
and, and again, those glorious moments where you could see some light are really distinct in history. And clearly we've, we've made the best out of them. I mean, you have the Renaissance, right? When, mm-hmm. when you came out of the Dark Ages and finally saw, saw a bit of space and, and look how arts developed and how sciences flourished and how research started to be produced. And then again, you have the, the Industrial Revolution, which, which again created a break uh, into into the minds of people, suddenly they could produce more and they could think in, in larger scales. So I think, again, we're, we're so young, man. You know, we're, we're such a cute species trying to figure out their place in the universe. Yeah. And we, we take ourselves so seriously. We believe that we can destroy the earth and we believe that we can destroy the universe. And again, like tears dropping down, down our cheeks. But in <laughs> fact, really, again, we're just children, you know, we're just... We are cute. (laughs) I think think you're right. I think it's very, it's it's a bit arrogant, isn't it? Because like Mm. throughout history, humans would be like, we're the center of the universe. And then we found out, no, we're not the center of the universe. Like, well, we're the most important thing on earth. We're like, well, no, actually we're not the most important thing on earth. I think the important thing to remember is the world has been warmer than this. There has been higher levels of carbon dioxide than we have now. The problem is it's just never happened at the speed it's happening now. Mm. That's the kind of, we're impacting it and the thing is the world will survive it's just that we won't be able to inhabit it if it gets to an unsustainable point and you know i i I mean if it's if it is changing and there's nothing we can do about it then well at least we tried hey (laughs) that's what i'd like to say that's why why we need to hedge our bets exactly that's why we need to go to mars (laughs) (laughs) it's like sort of a kind of environmental of uh pascal's wager so have you heard of pascal's wager tell me Um, so Pascal's wager is basically you might as well believe in God because the consequences of if you're wrong are much worse than if you were wrong, if you believed and it just turned out you were dead anyway. So, so Pascal's wager. So I'm going to take a Pascal's wager on the environment saying that, you know, we might as well believe that it is happening because if we don't be, believe it's happening and then we're wrong, <laughs> consequences of a hell of a lot worse <laughs> <laughs> absolutely that, I, I think that's the right way of approaching this and again I, I i kind of try to steer away from the the anxiety that the future can bring i mean realistically we we have no certainty of over the next few years no it's so true and it, it's really interesting i was i was um, really checking some some movies this afternoon and and you could kind of see how in the last few years, this theme of questioning our place as humans and the purpose of consciousness and what does it all mean? Where's the boundary of us and others is really becoming a, a focus of, of, uh, of cinema, right? You have, you have more and more movies with aliens, but not aliens that are here to conquer. But aliens who are here to challenge the, the fundamental certainties that humans hold so dear to, to, to their identity. So like and, and also aliens. have AI, right? You, you have hmm. also AI that's, that's almost burning the candle from the, from the bottom, which is, which is again putting some heat on the, on the question of who are we really and what, what makes us so special. Uh, so, so I think that again, like that, 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 position at the front of the hierarchy where you're in the driving seat and you can change the course of history you know it's a position that might might be very well challenged in the next few years so i, I think you're right 
I think, and we can see the kind of um, dissonance coming from like everyone's so polarized these days. Like, I uh, p- politically, I'd say I'm more center than anything else. Like, there's some conservative beliefs I do hold, and there's some liberal beliefs I do hold, but no one seems to be in the center. It's, everyone seems to be kind of one side or the other, and um, and yeah, and it's just. I, I don't know. Everyone's polarized. You know, you're either for Brexit or you're mm. against it. No, that oh, there's some good points and some bad points. Or you're either um, a Democrat or a Republican. Not some good points, some bad points for both. Like that's that's the problem. I think we're facing more mm. than anything else is that everyone's just so polarized in their opinions, and they just be, become a part of the clan. Like, and for me, I feel like if you don't think for yourself, if you, I, I never align myself to a political party um, for that exact reason because no political party. The crypto party, yeah, the crypto party, <laughs> but no, but no political party, um, kind of stands by what I, my beliefs are. You know, I pick and choose what I kind of agree with and what I don't agree with, and and then I'd make an informed decision on who I would vote for. But unfortunately, you have people that are just kind of so one way or the other, and it's and in the US, it's it's, it's a lot worse because obviously the US it really is polarized. You're a Republican or you're a Democrat, and there's no at least in the UK we have some other political parties that you can kind of vote for and maybe give them some power. But um, in the US, there's literally no point. It's you know Democrat or Republican. And you have to believe everything the Republicans do, or you have to believe everything the Democrats are doing. And if you're a Democrat, you've always been a Democrat. Uh, or if you're a Republican, you've always been a Republican. Mm. Hey, what's this? So best thing about Brexit is Scotland will probably now become a pen. <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. Like, <laughs> Talk about controversial topics. <laughs> yeah. Go straight on to Brexit. <laughs> but, but on your point, I mean, because again, I was listening. Uh, I, I think you're completely right. And, and, I think that as long as you're educated enough and you're willing to to put effort in really defining what what you stand for, I think there are very few political parties and very few entities that completely represent you. Yeah. You're going to have to make some pro- compromise, right? To to make the shape of you fit the shape of one party or one one he- headpiece. Yeah, um, absolutely. So so it's a tricky one, right? And you would hope that technology kind of helps helps you paint this picture a bit better with, with better resolution, right? You would hope that maybe through phones and through internet and through all the channels that we have, direct channels of, of expressing our decisions, then maybe the democratic process is also going to evolve to, to allow you to, to quickly manifest your, uh, manifest your, your choice, which again, I- two-sided coin, yeah. Well, what do you think about that one? Well, I, I agree because, you know, it's like a double-edged sword. There, there was mm. the Green Party at the last election were kind of, uh, mm. try, they, they want to get a first-past-the-post system in um, because yes, yeah. it's not it's not represent- proportional representation because basically it's you vote whoever wins in that seat. Then if the, it's how many, however many MPs win the seat, that's the mm. party that takes over. It's not really representation of how um how many people voted and so the green party were like well we want representation because we'll have more mps which is fair but at the same time you have parties like ukip that also did very well in that respect and you know so you've got these two very polarizing parties that then would get more representation um if there was a, a kind of system where it was done purely by votes across the country instead of in each kind of constituency um so yeah it's it's interesting and i think that that it could change but you know then 
if you put if you if you open it up for more parties then you're going to get a lot more extreme parties making a lot more noise i suppose on either end so it's difficult yeah there's no there's no easy answer and I, i think also the kind of thing that i find is that you can't have a discussion sometimes with some people because if you disagree with someone that's so extreme on the left you'll be called a um oh you're back on <laughs> if you if you disagree with someone that's so extreme on the left you'll be called like a nazi and then the flip to that is if you disagree with someone that's so far on the right um you're called a massive liberal uh, mm. or you know, a socialist um and it's just like there, there doesn't seem like you can't argue with anybody these days from either position because you'll just be counted as the extreme or the other side but it's weird right i mean Henry, i i think that that's the that's the key problem of our society at the moment then uh, that i think our generation is going to have to come to uh to 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 some sort of uh, you, you know compassionate position uh because right now there are some subjects that are as you say outside of the pc world and really it's a dangerous slippery slope as I don't know anyone who's read the Gulag Archipelago can <laughs> can attest to you know it, it feels quite right and I think that's how it it starts every time right it, it it always starts with some some core fundamental set of ideas that the majority can get get behind and then it starts to slip as soon as you have something that's outside of the public discourse and healthy public discourse, right? This idea that you and I can have a completely different conversation. And it's not, you know, as long as it's not hateful, as long as it, it's not pr- producing any, you know, damage to anyone, we're both resilient enough to have an opinion and at the same time have an intellectual conversation. And at the end, we're happy. And maybe both of us are reinforced in our opinions, or maybe I'm. I'm, you know, swayed and now I'm part of your position. Yeah. Uh, or or we I, end up just going and disagree. You know, we can agree to disagree. That's which it. Yeah, great. exactly. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But I think that this idea that you you are able to reach out and you are able to talk about absolutely anything, I think it's quite a sacred notion. And it's a sacred notion that really Britain was able to build quite a lot on. Um, and, and again, the, the, the Western, the Western, cultures i think that honesty and transparency are, are core to what we we stand by right yeah absolutely i think things make sense and richard said you make a lot of sense um Thanks, no, but I, I, completely, <laughs> I completely agree um so the the hugh guy said do you think a system without party politics could actually work uh, or do you think people are too sheeple <laughs> um I think it's difficult to say. I, I'd like to th- believe in humanity's ability to overcome something. And if you were actually able to able to have, you know, if you could vote for people. Well, I mean, let's, let's look at it this perspective. Party politics isn't working anymore because the kind of tra- traditional politician isn't winning. You know, you've got people coming from all walks of life that are coming to take um, polar positions like, you know, Nigel Farage, or you got Trump. Trump was never like any political, uh, any politician mm-hmm. in history, but he was so different and so against the establishment. People voted for him because they wanted some, a change. They didn't want the establishment. Um, you know, hate him or like him, you know. But I, also, I think there's something deeper with Trump. It's not just his position, but it's also the fact that it feels like I can understand him, right? 
there's no slimy change in his speech, at least at the surface. Obviously, we can discuss about <laughs> France. Yeah. Again, it feels like it's a it's a one sentence human that again you can you can understand you can see. Look at Theresa May, right? Theresa May has changed her position on Brexit, even though the the tagline Brexit means Brexit has always been the same. But she's been changing that position like there's no tomorrow. There was yeah. another headline, and boom, the next day her position changed. There was another vote in parliament; the position changed. Nobody could keep track anymore of of what she stands she no. stands for, right? And, and that that's that's not right, and that's not something that really humans can empathize with. I mean, sure, it's going to be a great book when she writes Brexit means Brexit. Uh, I'm <laughs> sure that she's been preparing that book title for the last two years, you know. Uh, but but. but but it, again, I think that Donald Trump was quite good to 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 portray himself as a real human. Yeah, that, you know, like him or not, actually has some some ideas that he wants to stand by. Yeah, I mean, the Hugh guy said that Trump is the establishment. I, I don't disagree. He he played the he played the character, but I believe he believed everything he said out of his mouth, or at least he was very convincing. Um, and you know, yeah, like like I said, like him or dislike him, he he won. He won. He didn't win the majority, but he won because of the and weird you know American. Do you know college. how? If you're if you're Trump, the the way to sway people and the way to convince people that you actually believe in something is to stand by that something, even when it might upset people, and even when it might lose your votes, even when it might lose you the entire election. Trump did not care, you know, for one second. There were all these, there were all these uh, reporters trying to pick at him and trying to corner him into some stuff and anyone else would have backed away and anyone else would have apologized and, you know, backtracked just to save some face. He yeah. did not care one second. No. Not look back. He stood by what he said, even though, again, some of those things were objectively wrong, you know. There, there's very They're terrible. <laughs> there's really, really you know, to, to to find an argument for them, you know. But yeah. but still, he's a human. He's gonna stand by it. And yeah. I think that 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 quality alone of of being human uh, won him a lot of votes. Oh, for uh, sure. I mean, um, so Rich has said, well, his view jumped around on North Korea's leader. Well, yeah, no. He, I mean, after. After he was elected, I, I, he's not been. He's been very. It's not been great because <laughs> he's flip flopped on a lot of things. But I think running up to the election, he stood by what he said, even when those things were incredibly controversial. Um, so you know, there's a little bit of respect for that. And the Hugh guy said, Trump said years ago that if he became a politician, he would be a Republican because these idiots would vote for anything. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> I mean, I did see that video. Um, yeah. But, you know, he, he, he was a Democrat and a Republican at different parts of his life. But look, he at, look the at the power, look at, look at the power of, of charisma, right? Look at the power yeah. of being human. Like that video alone, and again, not looking at all the other videos and all the other shit that he's been saying, that video alone would have killed any, any chance of, of any other candidate. Would have wiped their, their chance of winning. And with him, somehow... He built such a bulletproof casing around him that yeah. he continued his momentum. How crazy is that? It's insane. <laughs> I think also it's important to think like people were really fed up with the establishment. Like I, I don't think 
how it was so underscored of like how people really didn't want to have someone that had given them the same things as they'd had before. Like if you had, I'm, I mean, I, I wouldn't know because it's all hypothetical, but I, I probably would guess that if you had Bernie Sanders running against Trump, that Bernie Sanders would have been the president. Um, hmm, maybe, maybe. The same is said. Oh, hello. You cut out, Peter. No, I was thinking, I was thinking that maybe, yeah. I mean, it's a, it was a tricky one because you had Hillary on one side. And I think, again, from a charismatic perspective, she was very, I think it was very difficult to make, make something of, of her. There, there were some problems in her history and yeah. there were some problems in, her, in the way she was, she was approaching the campaign that I think were very difficult to, to negotiate. And then you had Trump. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and Trump kept saying that she was part of the establishment, <laughs> she was part of the swamp, and they were going to drain the swamp. And you're like, you can't. Yeah. It doesn't mean, really, she, she was. She was a part of the establishment. She was Absolutely. Part of- no question about it. And, and again, she was she was really good at manipulating a lot of stuff as well. I mean, the the stuff that she was doing with her emails, uh, if oh, you're yeah. objectively looking at that, she massively screwed up. Oh, God. It's so <laughs> and, and people have been prosecuted for less than that. Uh, yeah. So so I think that the fact that they, they were able to to rise above that clearly, again, reinforced this image that She's somehow above the law. I, I think that, again, the, the timing could not have been any better on, on that one from the perspective of, of Trump. But, yeah, it was quite an election. What, what do you think about the next election? Henry? Oh, well, well, it, well it's pretty good. I mean, Trump's going to run again. Uh, I, don't, I, mm. I, I, I weirdly think he might win, you know. It depends who runs against him. If it's Joe Biden, I think he'll win. I think if, it's, if it is someone like um, Bernie, maybe we might have a, a real contest. So the Saints said that, yeah, I agree that Bernie might be too old. Someone's just said Bernie might be too old. Um, no, the same said I, that I'm a Republican and I didn't vote for Trump. I would vote for him next time round. So why didn't you vote for Trump previously? And what would make you vote for him now? Just wait till uh, she responds. American perspective. Did you vote for Trump? Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? I suppose these days it doesn't really matter. They're much of a muchness, aren't they, really? <laughs> There's not that much difference between the two. Um, so the saint was a lifelong Democrat. Oh, he was a lifelong Democrat, was always with the Democrats his whole life, and now all of a sudden, he, out of the blue, he's a Republican. Yeah, mm. I mean, but, you know, political parties, especially in the US, like, put, they change their position on a lot of things as well. So I wouldn't have, personally, I wouldn't have held that against him because... The Republican Party of today is so different to what the Republican Party of 20 years was, 20 years ago was. Same with the Democrats, you know, Um, and it's same with the UK with like Labour and the Conservatives. Like the last Conservative government, I would say under, um, oh God, David Cameron, he he was (laughs) definitely more of a centre leaning, like he was centre leaning right. And I know a lot of friends, I didn't vote for them, but I know a lot of friends that did vote for him because he was more center and they wanted to change from labor and you know they had a coalition with um the lib dems who were very uh, liberal but now ever since theresa may came in there was a lot of backbenchers that were more conservative the conservatives have now gone kind of backwards and more towards what they used to be like and a lot more um conservative in their views um to the point where they seem to have taken a step back because it seemed like, you know, this is the new conservative, kind of like new Labour was, that was the new conservative, and it was really interesting. And it's all been changed. 
Apologies, yeah. I have runners around me. No worries, it's fine. And so I was going to the saint was why, so I asked the saint uh, why the she changed and it was because of the Democrats. And then she said a lot of comments he had early in his life were horrible comments about Tiananmen Square, comments about Russia. He used eminent domain with one of his companies to push an old lady out of her home. That This is not the proper use of eminent domain and it is not Republican. I know, what is eminent domain? I don't know much about it. And Sounds don't really cool, it. though. Yeah, it does. It sounds very interesting. Um, we don't have an eminent domain here, do we? No, no, I've never heard of that before. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to remember that he lived in New York, which is predominantly dem- uh, democratic. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a democratic state, isn't isn't it? I mean, I might be wrong, but I feel like New York is. Um, hi, Matt. Welcome. So, yeah. That's, we got very deep very quickly. We started this conversation. Well, but it's really cool. I think it's an interesting conversation, right? Because yeah, um, for sure. I think it's about leadership and leadership always captivates the imagination of people and it should, right? I mean, yeah. I think that leadership for a while in the last couple of decades has become this managerial, administrative, boring position. I mean, David Cameron was boring. I'm sorry. Of course, he, he might be a genius, but... He was boring and Theresa May seemed to be more exciting, but then that never amounted to anything. And I think really a leader to be able to align a nation behind the core set of values, they need to really light a fire. You know, people, people need love stories. People need great passions. Yeah, it's very and, and true. I mean, look, look at the last century, right? You had Kennedy. We did not choose to go to the moon because yeah. it was easy. You know, all of these things were, were able to, to catalyze something in their people, to, to light their eyes a little bit. Uh, and, and I think that that's what we need. That's what I we agree. need. We, we might struggle a little bit to actually find the right direction. We might go a little bit to the right and then a little bit to the left. But I think that it definitely needs to be one direction and it needs to, it needs to, you know, it needs to be led by, by one person. I, I have this, you know, idea that a leader is quite important and it's quite quite essential not to be a manager, but yeah. to be a visionary, a dreamer. But <laughs> well, that's the problem with as a problem with politics. It's it's very cyclical. So because it's every four years, they only focus on four years or eight years in the US and they only focus like five years in the UK. They only look at the next look forward to the next election. And they don't look at the yeah, long term. Absolutely. And that's where I have a lot of respect for places like China where they do invest mm. in a lot of long term prospects just quickly go back though so we found out what uh, eminent domain is so it's when the government takes possession of a property um so the government taking land from individuals for government use so for things ah. like freeways or roads so yeah we do have that sort of thing here but we i, I suppose we don't call I did it that. Not know that that's the name yeah. for it <laughs> neither did i but you learn something new every day right <laughs> i thought it's just government appropriates some sort of land or something. But yeah, I didn't know we had a... To be fair, we don't, we don't do it very often here. I mean, HS2 is probably the latest thing that we've tried to do it with, and we're doing it so slowly that by the mm. time that they actually come around to building it, you probably would have died in your property because it'd be 100 <laughs> years. Um, sorry, I'm very negative. British oh, man. We have to be more optimistic. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, but I said, well, that, going back to China, you know, like that's one thing uh-huh. they, they don't take time. They just like, oh, we need to build a bridge. Okay, we'll do it in three weeks. You're like what? <laughs> How can mm. you build a bridge in three weeks? And it takes us like 10 years to consider building a, ra- a new railway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that China is a really interesting mix, mixed it bag is. of tricks, right? Because really <laughs> on one side, you can really appreciate the agility. And, and I mean, again, I, I, I really am, cannot judge any of the any of the chinese practices even the ones that i don't agree with because to manage such a massive population and to actually manage them through poverty into a much more manageable state of living now yeah it must have been a colossal task and i'm not sure if doing it any other way would have resulted in such a good result i mean china has outperformed the world oh for uh, sure by quite the margin quite consistently and again, look at the average, look at the average Chinese person. They're they're doing much better now than they have for 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 a while. Yeah, for um, a really long while. I mean, that's that's, that's also bringing it back to kind of climate change. It's kind of you know how how do you turn to the Chinese and say to them, oh, you're developing now, but you can't produce the amount of rubbish that we produce because the, our world is ending. You know what I mean? Like it's um, yeah yeah. Anyway. I think I, they're I the ones who need convincing. Yeah, so if, rebe- if, uh, if uh, rebellion want to, to pick a fight, they should go to China. Go to China. Go to I China. think the UK government already knows <laughs> what, what they need to do. <laughs> it's very true. But, you know, kind of continuing with China as well, like that, that's the, like that, going back to what we were saying about the politics of everything, you know, every four years in the US, policies change. In China, you know, they, they don't have to worry about that. Yes, it's because it's a communist country and they just they don't change government every few years. So they look at long-term policies or long-term projects. Now, don't get me wrong. They have got a lot of problems in China. I'm not a massive advocate for China or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, from that perspective, for getting things done, China are good. Whereas we have a lot of kind of bureaucracy and, and tape stopping us from doing things. Yeah, yeah. And we also have laws, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> But there are some laws that are stuck uh, in, uh, in in stone. There's no there's no moving around it. I mean, for example, I, I think that the best illustrative case is uh, copyright and, and intellectual property. I mean, China never found uh, an obstacle in that. No. <laughs> and uh, and to to be honest, to to my and probably a lot of Westerners. Uh, 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 annoyance, right? Because at some point you you see all these shares of your companies that uh, you know the, the shares that you you bought because of the intellectual property and R and D equity completely being chipped into because China jumping have. through all of those hoops and avoids all of this cost, right? You yeah, pretty much uh, bypass all of that and you pave the way with cheap labor and that's it. You have a product that people are going to buy because it's cheaper. And uh, yeah, th- there you are. So yeah, I guess there's a there's an argument for for both of those. Do you think that this this stance on intellectual property is going to last, or is China going to to kind of change its mind at some point? And, and I think I think if they want to continue trading globally, they're going to have to. And they're they're such you know ten twenty years ago they weren't that an important player really in that respect. You know their technology was way behind, but now they're leading innovation in technology. They're creating new things. Mm-hmm. So I I believe that they're going to have to for their own 
copyright. Do you know what I mean? Like they're developing things. And That's what I was America thinking as well. I was thinking that now it makes sense for China to start <laughs> to start to abide by copyright laws when when in the past it it didn't. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting interesting couple of decades coming on because again you have China such a powerhouse. You have other powers, right? You have India, who yeah. again is is really coming strong. Um, India is going to be a very interesting one, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, I think that that's a place that's been super underutilized. Um, I think India will be where China is now in about 10 to 20 years. Yeah. yeah. I think no, that's a realistic I, perspective. I, I agree. And I would I would have said that maybe that's a bit unrealistic. Yeah, until maybe quicker. I, until <laughs> I, I listened to that Foxconn um, news, uh, news release when they were saying, all right, so if China is going to have a problem with supplying goods for Apple, we're ready to switch all supply to, uh, India. to, to India. Just yeah. like that, without any friction, without any problems, without any drama. Yep. Uh, so clearly, there's a lot of spare capacity in there and uh, a lot of manufacturers are really looking to tap into it. So so absolutely, I, I'm completely 100% with you on, on India's potential. So that being said, do you have a lot of your portfolio in India? No, not enough. I, I need to put more. But uh, there's a lot of people that I know. Bitcoin, that's right. Yeah, I'm over leveraged on Bitcoin. <laughs> Too much crypto. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of investment opportunity. Um, but we'll leave that for another time. And I, I'd love to have you on to talk about investments and stuff, actually, because it seems like you know, didn't seem to know a lot about it. Um, because I, I do angel invest as well in companies. And so, that's really uh, cool. Yeah. That should be our next topic. That'll be the next one. Next one I come on, which will be Thursday evening. Uh, I look forward to it, man. Cool. I, I'm quite interested in this subject, actually. No, yeah, no, me too. Investing. It's, it's good. It's good. I mean, like, I, I'm still relatively new. I've been doing it for two years. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. But thanks for chatting again, Peter. It's made the conversation very interesting. Love it. Next time, we're going to talk about aliens or something, some kind of conspiracy. Or, Absolutely, uh, <laughs> man. We have to start it up. Exactly. <laughs> thanks, everybody else, for joining. Um, Give me a follow or a like. Give you know, me a or, follow. Yeah, like if Peter, Peter a follow and a like as well. He's helping me out. It's great. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great to have the conversations because, yeah, it kind of gets it flowing when someone comes on to have a chat as well. And it kind of steers the conversation in the same way. Um, but, yeah, hope you enjoy the conversation, guys. We've talked about many, many things. <laughs> Thanks for chatting with me, Peter. Really appreciate it. And have a great evening and enjoy this warm weather if you're in the UK or in the US, I presume. It's warm there as well. Enjoy climate change, making it all warmer. (laughs) (laughs) What an uplifting message. Exactly. (laughs) All right, take care, everybody. Have a great evening. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.